It's four o'clock in the morning, and you have to go to the bathroom again. Don't just suffer. Get Preso, made from all natural ingredients grown right here in Israel. Preso brand Opuntima capsules can help men suffering from prostate or urinary problems and women suffering from incontinence or cystitis. Don't just suffer. Get Preso on the web at www.preso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O dot com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. It's great to have you back this week. Uh, I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and of course, you're listening to Noahide Nations right here on Israel National Radio. And let me go ahead and bring in my, my friend and partner in crime and my new co-host, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how you doing there, buddy? Hi, Ray. I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm uh, hanging in there, hanging yeah. in there, looking looking forward to the show. You know, no, we did an episode uh, on theft. I don't know if I like being your partner in crime. <laughs> That's right. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, we did mention to the folks that the the subsequent show was going to be round two, part two on on theft. And you know, let me go ahead and apologize right now because that's not going to be the case. You, you all heard part one last week. You'll you'll hear part two next week because we've got a, a great person that I I want to go ahead and bring on, and we're going to do a, throw some questions at him. He happens to be a, a friend of mine, and he is actually referred to as one of the top 10 Jewish artists uh, in the United States, and this was recently by Moment Magazine, and he does a lot of touring. Uh, You may have seen him yourself. He does about 50 cities, a music tour, which ultimately winds up in Israel every year. In fact, some consider uh, Sam Glaser to be one of the hardest working men in Jewish music today. Uh, he performs uh, annually in, in front of hundreds of thousands of people and in some of the big venues. Uh, my gosh, the Greek Theater, uh, Universal Amphitheater, Staples Center, Dodger Stadium. And, you know, one of these days you're going to have to invite me to carry your bags at some of these places <laughs> you played, like, you know, Sydney, uh, London, Hong Kong, you know, Tel Aviv. I mean, any one of these would just be fine. I'll be, be more than happy to Ray. help you carry a bag. Ray, 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 Ray. <laughs> we could have been playing some of his music. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that. We're going to get to that at the end of the show, though, uh, because Sam does have a most recent album, and it is titled Hallel, and we're going to go ahead and bring him in right now. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Sam Glaser. Sam, how you doing? Doing great, Ray. Hi, Sam. Well, it, I, I got to tell you, it's a real honor and a privilege to have you on, on the show. Uh, I know that your your schedule is tight, and for you to take the time is you're so gracious uh, about it. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. So let me let me go ahead and you know kind of get the ball rolling here because as I mentioned uh, earlier, you're one of the busiest performers out there year in and, and year out. And you know, like I said, you, you've been hitting 50 cities since like uh, 1995, I believe. I mean, you write songs, you, you sing songs. You're the president of your own studio, Glacier Music Works. You produce events. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's truly amazing. And you know, <laughs> my first question is, where the heck do you get all the energy? Well, I find the time between uh, 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. 
<laughs> to get a lot done. <laughs> and then I don't get enough sleep and start my day again and uh, do it all until Shabbat comes and then I pass out. Well, and that's, and that's, that's my secret. And that your and so your week is quite the countdown leading up to Shabbat. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Thank you, Shem, yeah, for her Shabbat, eh? Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, in fact, it reminds me of Glenn Beck on Fox News. Uh, he was doing an interview with an author, and he he was asked uh, about his ADD, his attention deficit disorder, and he said, "Well, I, you know, I found it to be a real gift." And the person, the author that he's uh, uh, interviewing, says, "You know, that's right. I've always wondered how you did, you know, how you do three books in a year, how you do a radio show, how you do a TV show, you do a, a, a tour, a, a, a engagement speaking. You know, how do you do it all?" And well, it winds up being his ADD is a gift rather than a hindrance. So, right. uh, some days I think I have ADD. Uh, anyway, Sam, you are you just have an amazing number of accomplishments and, and just so much energy. It's it's uh, phenomenal. And I mean, you've literally traveled four corners of, of the planet and performed in front of you know packed houses. And uh, I mean, do you have a, a favorite place that you that you like to perform? You know, I was just asked this question by one of my clients yesterday, and I was realizing that uh, I love playing smaller towns. You know, New York and L.A. are a lot of fun to visit, but uh, if you want to play a packed house of people who are absolutely appreciative um, that when you come to town, it's a big deal, It's the, the smaller towns are magical. I especially love playing in the South. You know, the cities like uh, Greensboro, Charleston, Orlando, Jacksonville, Pensacola, uh, you know, the, the, the smaller towns around Atlanta, Savannah. Boy, what a, what a treat. Gorgeous uh, well, places and wonderful, appreciative, hospitable people. Is that because it's a more intimate setting or uh, the people tend to respond more? It's just, it's just there's, a, there's a tremendous degree of excitement. Hmm. I think the atmosphere in... Uh, you know, New York, L.A., maybe Chicago, and a couple other cities is, uh, let's see if you can impress us. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the lights that are exciting and rather than the people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I've, in fact, I used to live in New York, and quite frankly, I did not like being in, in New York City. But, but I, we I love just... people in New York. Absolutely, you know that's uh, not to say we don't like the people in New York. I just, I just for some reason it was just, and I was born and raised in Chicago, so you know, go figure. But now he's hiding in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. I, I, I am kind of curious, Sam. Uh, you're, I mean, yep. you, you, you've done so many things, and you're such a gifted and, and talented songwriter and, and musician. Uh, when did you first realize in your life that uh, this is what you wanted to do, that you had this gift from Hashem? Um, well, thankfully, I have musical parents who pushed me. And I have a trumpet-playing father and a pianist-singing mother, and uh, music was just part of life in our home. Um, we just we sang all the time. We sang on long family vacations. We sang around the piano. And uh, I think I my mom figured out I was harmonizing at the age of two, and I started writing songs at the age of seven. And this was just natural. I just assumed that everybody walked around hearing music in their heads like I did. So um, as I started to crystallize my career, um, you know, after high school into college, it just became clear to me that um, there were a lot of things I loved to do, but if writing songs and performing them wasn't part of the picture, I was uh, not going to feel fulfilled. 
<laughs> so, so your your folks weren't pushing you to become a doctor or a lawyer. Well, the fact is, my father was pushing me to be a garment manufacturer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the schmata business, as they say in Yiddish. <laughs> And uh, he was grooming me to uh, keep the uh, business dream alive and to work for him. As a matter of fact, I worked for him for about five years. Um, and uh, it was great having time with him, and it was great helping him run the company. Um, he actually insisted that uh, I not only study music in college, so he bribed me by offering me the family credit card to use for skiing. Oh my. If I were to study business. Oh. <laughs> and being that I was at the University of Colorado and still quite an addicted skier, um, that was incentive enough to get a business degree. Yeah, that would do it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Boulder is a, a great place uh, to be. Uh, I mean, you're uh, right there at, at the foothills and uh, very easy access into the mountains to the ski resort. So and, and, and I you, can... Yeah, and if you want to see uh, Sam skiing, uh, go over to his website at www.samglaser.com, and there's a video section there, and uh, he's uh, out skiing with his friend Michael. Yep, in Vail. That was yeah, a good day. Yeah, in Vail, yeah. I, I was so jealous when I saw that. <laughs> but I'm not going to see any more, Ray. <laughs> and that's, uh, <laughs> well, I was just thinking, I, I lived in Colorado for 10 years and refused to pick up a set of skis. Oh. Uh, I just had something uh, about doing that. And it comes from my earlier days when I played baseball. I was always worried about you know, breaking a leg or, you know, a foot and, and not being able to play ball again. Because, you know, my dream, of course, was to be a major league uh, ball player. So uh, I used that as an excuse not to ski, and I just carried that on through life. So uh, 10 years in Colorado, I never skied. So uh, I, from the sounds of it, I've missed a lot. <laughs> yes, you you did. We have uh, ski hills here in Nova Scotia, uh, not mountains. And, uh, you know, you can make it from top to bottom in less than two minutes. But... Um, uh, when when I was actually watching that video uh, at the beginning at the intro, uh, it it intimated that you were not always religious. Yes, that is true, Prescott. You have picked up on an important fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so so so, want you share that with us? <laughs> well, I was uh, I was raised in a uh, wonderful conservative home, you know, conservative. In that we uh, we had lovely Shabbat dinners, um, we had a tremendous love for Israel and the Jewish people instilled in us. But uh, the word halacha or uh, Jewish law never came up. Unfortunately, it's sort of missing in the liberal Jewish realm. Mm. Um, and uh, I grew to understand that uh, Judaism detached from mitzvot or understanding that we have. Uh, commandments and not suggestions is uh, sort of just getting half the picture and uh, that there's something really beautiful about taking on the whole yoke of the commandments as a Jewish person. It's not easy, um, but as Shabbat started to uh, be explained to me in such a beautiful way and I saw it lived and uh, started visiting communities here in L.A. and also in Jerusalem and New York I started realizing, wow, this is, uh, there's something happening here, something spiritual and mystical and real, right. palpable, and I wanted it for myself. So, Wow. Now, now how long ago did that uh, transition take place? 
Um, the transition was, uh, I had my first experience, uh, it was at a yeshiva in Jerusalem, a Jewish study place called Eish HaTorah, Fire of the Torah, in the old city of Jerusalem. Um, I was one of five young men they sent on a Jerusalem fellowship, an all-expenses-paid scholarship. Um, I had an amazing experience, and then uh, I started taking on the mitzvot very slowly. You know, some people jump right in, say, wow, this is the truth. I love Hashem. I want this in my life. And other people take the baby steps. Right. I imagine the same thing's true in the uh, movement towards a Noahide lifestyle. Yes. Um, you know, I took the one step at a time. I stopped eating cheeseburgers. Then I stopped eating hamburgers in my fast food restaurants I would go to when i just get the chicken sandwich. It even and sounds then, wrong, doesn't it? Hamburger. It does sound <laughs> yeah. wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, thank God we can still enjoy hamburgers. <laughs> um, I didn't have to give those up entirely. Just had to find the kosher meat version. Anyway, and the same with Shabbat. You know, being a performer and trying not to work on a Friday night was a very, very difficult hurdle. Yeah. Um, but as I started transitioning my life, um, I really believe that Hashem answered the call by sort of opening the doorway to a Jewish music career. Mm. And to this, you know, 50-city-a-year tour that I'm on and this whole, it's a circuit. You know, Jewish community centers, synagogues, um, a lot of American Friends of Israel groups, uh, Christian Zionists bring me out. You know, and thank God there's a circuit, there's a place for me right. to be able to keep Shabbat and uh, still do what I do. Yeah, yeah, that and that is one of the toughest things, uh, although as Noahides we really aren't required to uh, uh, keep Shabbat. Uh, certainly many Noahides wish to honor the Shabbat, and uh, and many make the choice of trying to uh, refrain from uh, doing labor, And uh, but it is it is a hard thing to do uh, in today's society. You know, we, yeah. no, we no longer go from sunup to sundown in our work. We're, uh, we're often required to work set hours and schedules, so... Right, and it's it's definitely real difficult because we've we've learned a different way of life, and you're so so you're not even just changing your way of life; you're changing your whole thought process on how to it's live true. that life. Mm-hmm. So it can be it can be very challenging, and uh, some days more challenging than others. But if you, I believe if you if you already live a faith based life, where you, where God is the centerpiece of your existence that um, it's much easier. I think it's harder to start from outside of that experience. I agree. Really knowing where God fits in the great scheme of things. Right. Um, to, uh, to make that incorporation and then to take on the commandments is, uh, is a hard thing to do. Right. Well, I, I agree with that, too. I mean, it, would, it's, it has to be easier coming out of Christianity than it does atheism. <laughs> right. So, sure. Uh, and that's where I came out of, and that's you know where most most Noahites came out of was Christianity and, and the Messianic movement. So uh, I I do believe that faith uh, based belief systems will get you to the truth far faster than uh, denying God uh, altogether. But Absolutely. and you mentioned you mentioned uh, you know uh, this association with uh, your your Judaism and, and synagogues. Uh, now are, are you an Orthodox Jew? Yes. Oh, okay, so when you sing in synagogues, is when do you when do you do this? Is this on, when do on I do Friday? What? Arab, when do you sing? Is it Arab Shabbat or? Uh, oh what? no, I lead. I I my typical weekend is leading a Shabbat program where I come in the synagogue. I lead the prayer services, 
you know, I do songs and stories at dinner. I do a lunch and learn the next day. And then uh, a Havdalah, you know, the service with which we separate the Sabbath from the weekday on Saturday right. night goes right into a concert. Oh, okay. Okay, so I was wondering where the concert... Okay, that, hel- that helps me. I was wondering where the concert part, the singing, came into it. Yeah, so it's all a cappella on Shabbat. And then we jam with instruments on Saturday night, and then Sunday I'm off in, a, into, in another city, you know, nearby. I try to do two or three cities in that given weekend. I go every other weekend on the road. Wow, that's uh, a, a heavy schedule. Uh, you know, let me let me ask you something because this was kind of exciting for for me to hear when we first started talking about uh, uh, this project that we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, one of the things I, I found most fascinating, and we've all heard recently about the, uh, you know, the dinner crashers at the White House, and, uh, you know, us all being familiar with that, I understand that you actually performed at the White House, and, and by yeah. invitation, presumably, and I was just wondering, can you, can you tell us about this event? Well, um Evidently, in many of the years of the Bush presidency, he invited um, Jews from around the country to celebrate Hanukkah um, during one of the nights of Hanukkah at the White House. So I received a call from an a cappella group um, called Kol Zimra on the East Coast to come and join them at the White House and uh, sing for the president and various congressmen and uh, 150 other Jewish luminaries from around the country. And they asked me to write a song for the occasion, um, which became a song called the Hanukkah Anthem, another video you can see on YouTube. <laughs> um, www.samglaser.com. At samglaser.com. <laughs> and uh, and it was, uh, it was a, an amazing experience. I was, I was just relating to somebody that the, the best part was the fact that we had to get there at 5 o'clock for our security check and our sound check and the party didn't start till seven so we were left in the white house for two hours <laughs> to wander around unsupervised oh my gosh we just went for i mean there were marines there guarding the place and you know we could ask them hey who's in that picture oh that's george washington sir you know yeah but we had this we had, this, we had our run of the place it was, it was an incredible feeling of of freedom and so these party crashers i can absolutely relate to you know i, I feel like uh you know we got to know the bushes personally and uh, that weekend we performed there was actually the weekend that some crazy arab threw a shoe at the president in iraq oh i remember that, remember that? he so dodged his- it though he dodged it. Yeah, he had a good rea- reaction, good reflexes. So anyway, the first thing he said when he gave his speech was, I've had quite a weekend. <laughs> well, that, it's funny you mentioned the guy about the shoe. I, I just saw uh, a, a news story recently where he had the same uh, kindness uh, uh, shown to him, where he was giving a speech and somebody in the crowd took their shoe off and threw it at him. So <laughs> really? it, was all caught, it was all caught on video. So... Uh, it was, you know, I guess the old saying, what goes around does come around. <laughs> yeah. But, but that just had to be an incredible experience. You yeah. know, I, when I was a kid, I, uh, my parents took us to Washington. Uh, my aunt and uncle lived in uh, Washington, D.C. And it was just a, an amazing place to, to go and, and see the landmarks. But uh, to be able to go into to the White House, uh, as you did, a, as an entertainer, uh, to be able to perform in front of all of these different uh, uh, Dignitaries and, and, and people at this is event is just in, incredible. 
I mean, did you get to meet uh, uh, Senator uh, Lieberman? I got to shake his hand. I didn't get to exchange many words with him. I met uh, Congressman uh, Cantor. Okay. And Neat. Um, Neat. One thing I should mention is, um, first of all, it was my birthday that night. It was my Hebrew birthday on the Jewish calendar, the lunar calendar, and my English birthday on the same date. And um, um, I was not sure what we would eat. And I, I, I was guessing they'd have some kosher food. Evidently, in the past years, they just had a, a table for kosher consumers. But oh, this was wow. the first time in White House history that the entire White House was koshered. <laughs> they koshered the entire White House kitchen. And for everyone, Jew and non-Jew, they had a kosher smorgasbord like you've never seen. <laughs> so it was a real, it was what we call a Kiddush Hashem, a sanctification of God's yeah. name. Well, it's one of the other times I, I feel like, uh, I feel good that my, my tax dollars are at work. <laughs> 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 the other time is at the air shows. But now that I'm sitting here listening to uh, what, what you did and that they were willing to go to that extent, uh, that's just a, you know, a marvelous thing and actually speaks well of the kind of uh, people President and Mrs. Bush are. It, it really yep. does. Mm-hmm. I am kind of uh, curious too. Uh, your 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 life has been uh, you know a real gift to a lot of people, and I remember uh, uh, when we first met. Uh, I believe you were telling me uh, about a Noahide that uh, that's somehow how you found out about Noahide nations was through a, a Noahide uh, fan. Yeah, is, is is that correct? I mean, what? Yeah, correct. what do you know yeah. about Noahide, Sam? <laughs> um, well. I started getting emails from Noahides. I guess it's been about five years now um, that I've had Noahide fans. And uh, a few of them have been very persistent and uh, have sort of uh, worked their way into my life. And uh, I really consider them true, wonderful friends. And uh, I just really appreciate them. They they, they love my music and they uh, send me words of thanks and praise and ask me questions about what the Jewish perspective is on this or that. Um, one couple went as far as um, saying, hey, Sam, when are you coming to Chattanooga? And I said, Chattanooga, where is that? <laughs> and they said, well, Chattanooga is where we live, and we're tired of having to drive so far to come see you play. So what will it take to get you here? And I said, well, you know, there is a Jewish organization there that, uh, you know, there's a JCC. And, uh, you know, I did a little research, and they said, well, we want to pay for the concert. Oh, wow. So they single-handedly are sponsoring this show. Um, you can look on my website. I don't remember exactly when it is, but it's uh, coming up in the spring. Um, so I'm going to Chattanooga to sing for their, their Noahide friends. Excellent, so, and, and excellent. Any, anybody who wants to come, of course. So. Right. Well, listen, we're, we're bumping up against the bottom of the hour, and we do need to uh, take a hard break here. So uh, we're going to go ahead and cut away and let uh, Israel National Radio make a couple bucks, and uh, we'll catch you folks on the other side. All right. When IDF soldiers are out in the field, they can really use a good pizza or some freshly baked goods. You can't beat our donuts. They're real donuts. Show them that you care. Send a tasty gift to an IDF soldier. Visit our website at herbiesbakeshop.com. 
That's Herbie with a Y. Just fill out the order online. They'll love you for it. Or you can make the Israel National Radio staff's day by sending them coffee or a pizza break. Just fill out the order online. Herbie'sBakeShop.com. Herbie'sBakeShop.com. Hey, what's that new stuff you're using to uh, brush your teeth with? Tohar oil. Tohar oil? Where's that from? Israel. Israel? Israel. You want a natural herbal total tooth and mouth cleansing experience? Now from Israel, Shemana Tohar. Get a bottle of etheric oil formula and a container of mineral enriched powder which absorbs germs and bacteria. Get the Tohar oil treatment kit. Visit www.shemen-hatohar.com. Shemen-hatohar.com. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of this excellent show, and we're we're having a phenomenal conversation here with a good friend and, and phenomenal entertainer, Sam Glaser. Uh, Sam, I you know I want to jump right in. I mean, I've got so many questions I want to ask you. I don't know where to start, but uh, you know, one thing that I've I've truly admire about you, Sam, is your work with young people. Young people are our future. Uh, and, and we need to pay attention to that, and, and we need to be there for them right now. And I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit about some of the programs that you're involved with with young people. Well, over the years, I've done a lot of stuff in uh, the musical theater world, you know, directing kids, getting them singing in choirs, teaching children's workshops, leading programs for Jewish youth in NCSY, USY, and NIFTY, which are the uh, Orthodox, Conservative, and Reform Denominations youth programs. What can I say? I'm a kid at heart. I'm a big kid. I just, uh, I don't pontificate from a soapbox. I'm really down on the ground, you know, really literally wrestling on the ground, you know, just having fun. And uh, I'm kind of a wise guy and uh, (laughs) love just you know, I love being with kids. I have three kids of my own who are 14, 13, and 10. And uh, I just, uh, I never stopped relating to kids, I guess is what happened. And as you say, they are truly our future. Unfortunately, the Jewish world is in uh, um, sort of a strange place in terms of its tendency to be pediatric in orientation, in that people get involved largely because they have a child who they don't want to become an ignoramus in terms of Judaism. Um, So they send him to Hebrew school for a few years, usually like 10 to 13, or maybe 8 to 13, or maybe, you know, 12 and a half to 13 in a panic (laughs) to have a kid who can go have a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. So, and then that's the extent of their synagogue affiliation. I also feel that um, the overemphasis on... Um, the young people is at the peril of the education of adults. And uh, I'm equally emphatic of um, the, the in- importance of adult education and uh, letting people know the beauty of their heritage without barriers, without a ceiling, like, oh, we don't have to do that or we don't have to do that, but the opportunities that, that are present. Well, if we don't pay attention to our young people, our future is is finished. I mean, you may as well fold right. up the tent right now and leave town. Uh, right. And I, I fear that a, a great many adults, parents, oftentimes want to be too much of a friend than a parent. 
And yeah. that is in every walk of life, just not in, in education, but everything, but particularly so with education and more so on education about God, uh, about Absolutely. Hashem, about, about their creator. And if you get enough of a generational philosophy and teaching that is very vague on God, if it's even mentioned at all, they have no perception, no idea, uh, you know, what God is, what the Creator is, what uh, they should be doing, and it, it just it does not make for a, a good place in the world, uh, which is uh, obviously evidenced in what we see in the world today. Yeah, it's the big problem with the uh, division of church and state in our political system. It's a beautiful thing to have freedom of religion, and everybody should be able to practice their religions freely. Um, but I think our founding fathers never intended for God to be left out of the per- of the picture. Oh. Those countries that have tried to outlaw God over the years, you know, the Soviet Union being the best example, um, you know, look, look look what happened to that country and the and the persistence of the KGB and whatever in a country where a godless country. You know, is that what we want? Well, there's a certain segment of the population in the U.S. that that's exactly what they want. They go, they're, they're better known as liberals. And in fact, it's funny. It's uh, I, I recently heard uh, a, a kind of a joke that you know, when a conservative doesn't believe in God, they just don't go to church. When a liberal doesn't believe in God, nobody can believe in God. And so, therefore, right. they do everything they can to get God out of the system. And, right. and that's truly what we see uh, today, not just you know in the United States, but all over the world it's happening. And it truly is a shame. Now, there, there's something uh, else that really intrigued me about you, Sam. And, and I know that there's you know, going to be a number of Jews and Noahides and Christians who are going to probably shoot in an, an email or two disagreeing with this. But I, I really do like this idea. And it, it, you've actually emerged as one of the leaders in an effort to engage uh, Christians and Israel advocacy through a, an organization called America Israel Friendship League. Can you tell us you know, a little bit more about this? I'm, I'm, I'm very much intrigued by this. Um, well, the Jewish people has found, mostly in the past decade, that our best allies are people in the uh, Christian Zionist camp, evangelicals in the South and many other groups around the country, who have unflinching support for Israel who understand that the Jewish people have a role to play in history and that Israel is their country um, and their home base um, from which they best operate. They are helping spread that message even more than uh, many Jewish people are these days. Um, Some Jewish people are undecided on the issue. I started getting bookings, you know. Initially, it was just to come sing the national anthem of both America and Israel at some of their events. And then that segued into doing concerts and workshops Um, discussing Israel, its strategic importance to um, the United States and the world, the spiritual importance to all the major world religions, and to really enlist our allies into looking out for this fragile country in the Middle East, this uh, only democracy in the area, and to get everyone on the same page in terms of this important uh, strategic alliance. And, and this uh, organization, uh, are you the, the head of it, or are, you know, how, how, do you, how do you fit in? Because uh, it would seem to me, you know, quite frankly, I, I need to make this statement that all too often uh, Jews and, and Noahides stereotype a Christian as being somebody who they go into the Jewish camp and they do everything they can to convert them to Christianity. And it's simply not true. 
uh, I, I think that stereotype is is gone to the extreme, and even you know for us Noahides, uh, there's Noahides who have done the same thing. Uh, but for me, I, I look at Christians quite honestly. We agree on more things than we disagree on. And the yeah. fact that we all came, not we all, but most Noahites came out of Christianity and the Messianic movement, it's just a, a stopping off point on our journey. So we used to be sitting in the same pew. It doesn't make sense to me why you'd want to you know, be hitting them over the head because there's a great many wonderful people who are Christians. And they're just yep. on a, a different part of the journey. And, and I find what you're doing with this organization just, just tremendous. Now, now, where do you fit in? Do you, like, do concert for the organization of various places? Or what exactly do you do? Well, I wanted to say, first of all, that I found as I became a, a, a more religious man that I felt more comfortable with my religious Christian friends than I did with many of my irreligious Jewish friends. Um, there was just more common ground, more commonality, more spirit that we shared. And this organization has, ju- has booked me for concerts. I'm not involved other than to, uh, you know, be there when they uh, call and uh, be, be ready to come out at a moment's notice and uh, support the cause and uh, come out and do some singing and, and teaching for that matter. So, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily uh, a founder or anything like that. Back to Rain, because I just got to be an antagonist here. Um, <laughs> Antagonize would, away. Yeah. Who would now, because this, uh, because I think it's important uh, when we start talking about relationships with other, with, with other groups, because one of the things that we share with uh, our Jewish friends, our co-religionists, is the idea that we have a role to play in transforming our society. Right. And as such, finding ways to build bridges and to get along is more important than finding ways of, of you know, just segregating and, and trying to marginalize those who disagree with us on, on certain points. And I know that as, as I became uh, involved in Noahism and began to understand Noahism, that I was always in the internal struggle with the faith that I came out of that then became reflected uh, in the relationships that I had with uh, Christian friends, where we spent more time uh, at times actually arguing about what we disagreed with rather than focusing on the things that we agreed with and working towards furthering those issues, particularly when it comes to our social issues of taking and bringing about more righteousness in the world around us. And why why do you think that uh, it is that there are Noahides that struggle with um would would have a problem with for instance in in the case of sam actually working with a christian organization towards the goal of of uh, issues surrounding israel well and i'm not sure if sam has uh, run into this himself but i know for me in this journey of going from christianity to the messianic movement into uh being a noahide uh, when you find out the truth then begins the real roller coaster ride uh, there are points that you will you will feel anger. I mean, severe anger uh, towards the people on the pulpit who basically misled you. Possibly towards the person that you may that you know they consider they saved you. Uh, once you get past that, you feel, you feel sorrow and, and you feel bad, almost to the point of tears, and in some cases to the point of tears. So it's it's an overall roller coaster ride. And I think to answer your question. 
some of these folks have not got past the anger yet. Mm. And and they harbor ill will towards the church, towards Christians, towards pastors. And even at the sound of the of the word, uh, it, it makes the hair on their, on their necks stand up. Right. And so I think that's part of the problem is that though many have moved on past the anger and past the sorrow and are you know, doing what you said, building the relationship, <laughs> many have clung to the, uh, the anger aspect right. of, the, of the ride. Okay. Well, so, so what we need to do I then... Just wanna, I just want to add something <laughs> on that note. When Jewish people start taking on their faith more seriously, if they have the opportunity in their lives and, and, uh, and embrace that path, they have the similar anger of feeling, how could I have been robbed by my institution at right. which you know I was brought up right. of this right. truth? And right. why did my parents give me a concept of having God in my life as my friend and partner? Yeah. And so there's that anger. And then there's the anger when you become orthodox for a while of seeing other orthodox people who aren't doing the right thing. Why are you being orthodox? What's going on here? <laughs> You should have charm, perfect lives. Yeah. And you find out that they're human, too, and they make mistakes, and sometimes they even go to prison. <laughs> you know, it was, oh, how can that be? You yeah. just don't understand. So there is a lot of anger in, in, in the, the Jewish from birth process, too. Mm. I also wanted to say one other thing, and that is that um, a lot of the antagonism that the Jewish people have towards Christian outreach groups that are supporters of Israel is inevitable after... 2,000 years of this Roman exile. Right. Mm. We are still reeling in our spiritual DNA from persecution. Mm -hmm. We still are scared. We still feel like we're walking down a dark alley. We view everyone with suspicion. We can't help it. And in your defense, virtually every nation on the planet has attempted to exterminate you at one time or another. So it's very easy to understand why you would tend to be more defensive than outgoing. Right. So inevitably, you're going to hear people say, well, they just want to they want to help us, but they want us all to move to Israel so they can kill us or they want us all to move to Israel so that they can eventually convert us. Mm. Or, you know, that there's always an ulterior motive. And my perspective is sometimes you're going to have a friend with an ulterior motive. Yeah. Maybe he has one, maybe he doesn't. But the bottom line is he wants to help. So much Jewish emigration from North America has been aided by friends of the Jewish people who are not Jewish. Right. That it has transformed the country of Israel. And it is transforming the perspectives of North American Jews. So I say be friends, you know. Take take the risk, as Indiana Jones says. Never tell me the odds. <laughs> you know? Yeah, except the handshake. Uh, I'm sure you know. There's probably a lot of folks out there, Noahides and, and Christians, and probably some Jews too, that are wondering, you know, why the heck do Ray and Prescott, a couple of Goim, you know, a couple of Noahides, have a Jewish? Orthodox Jewish entertainer uh, on, on their show that they're doing this heavy-duty interview with. Well, you know, let me share something with everybody out there because this is to the benefit of, of everyone. Several months ago, uh, Sam and I uh, got together and decided that we wanted to uh, get a Noahide album out into the world, quite literally spreading the word uh, of, of truth of Hashem's Torah and of, of Noahides and how mankind 
mind in, in general is supposed to be living their lives. And we felt this was very important because not only would it be one of the first uh, to have this happen, but it's something that the world desperately is in need of. And it's also one of the things that Noahides tend to want. I mean, that's, I hear that request a lot. When are we going to get some Noahide music? And, you know, I just respond, well, when you pick up an instrument and write and sing the song. So what we're doing is in conjunction with uh, a organization that is under Noahide Nations. It was started by Noahide Nations. And it's called Give Relief. And it's basically, the GIVE stands for Global Intifada Victims Emergency Relief Fund. It's basically designed to help support and come to people who have been devastated through the acts of terrorism, to come to them and help them uh, pull themselves out of this just absolutely horrible, horrible situation. And we want to be there at a time when we are most desperately needed, when, when people uh, need help in this kind of emergency. So Sam and I have gotten together when we're putting together a benefit album to help raise funds for this exact thing. And Sam has been very kind and, and gracious and is going to be donating uh, one of these songs. Sam, what was the name of the song again that you put together? In fact, it would be great if you could tell the story behind the song, too. Of the one I wrote for the album? Right, right. Um, well, it's called Nations of the World, and it's about this march towards uh, messianic times that I believe we are in. And uh, it's a very overt, happy, joined hands together kind of rah-rah anthem. Yeah, that's one of a few songs that I'm hoping to have on the album. I just, uh, I'm just so excited about the Noahide movement. It really just, uh, I, can't, I can't even explain how touched and inspired i am by uh all the people i've met um and uh it's it really it's just i'm i'm writing music about it what can i tell you i'm reminded of the whole experience after we first started talking about doing this and and how you came up with the song you you happen to be at your parents house and uh, hashem touched your heart and in a matter of moments had the the lyrics and the music and what did you do? You, you immediately went over to the piano in a matter of five, ten minutes, had the song done? Yeah, it usually... Is that yeah, how it things went? usually come spilling out of me that way, sort of this uncontrollable... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I remember you uh, sending me an email that you had this, the song done, and that uh, you were going to be... or that you had played it uh, for people at a, at a gathering for a, a, a wedding. <laughs> oh, that's and, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I wrote it that morning, and uh, I went to a uh, celebration for the engagement of some, some wonderful friends. That's right. That's um, what it was. Yeah, it was at a Chabad house in Pacific Palisades. And the rabbis had just finished speaking, and I raised my hand that I would like to speak. You know, and only the rabbis were speaking. I mean, what a, what a chutzpah, what nerve to get up there. And, uh, you know, and I sang the song for them, and I realized this is not just a Noahide Nation song. This is for the world, you know? Right. right. <laughs> it, it worked. It worked. And for the Chabad audience, you know, they're, they're very into their messianism. And, you know, they jumped right up there. We're, I'm, I'm looking up the lyrics right here. Here we go. Now, now, do Ray and I need to do the backup vocals here? <laughs> if you want. Okay, I'll teach it to you. <laughs> Nations of the world rejoice. Celebrate this holy choice. Lift your eyes and raise your voice. Let's bring Mashiach now. End of days is drawing near. See the prophecies on parade. The call of peace, 
for all to hear. May we witness it in our day. Nations of the world rejoice. Celebrate this holy choice. Lift your eyes and raise your voice. Let's bring Mashiach now. So, something like that. Awesome. Uh, that's great. I, in fact, I remember uh, in your email, you said you were, you, you told me you were so excited that you wanted me to call right away so that you could sing the song uh, for me. And I remember <laughs> getting my wife and I told you know, Sam Glaser just, you know, sent me this email and he wants to sing this new song for us. You know, cause, you know, I didn't want her to think that there was something odd going on if I had, you know, some guy singing this, this song to me in my office. You know, might not, might not go over well. So I brought her in and, and I called you up and I I remember you saying, well, hey, Ray, I'm not in my studio. Let me carry you out, and I'm going to run out to the studio and play it. And sure enough, you set the phone down, got on the keyboard, and, and just uh, you know played this beautiful song for us. And you know, my wife and I just sat there in utter amazement at what you had, had just achieved. Uh, it, it's a, and I will never forget that story. It's just uh, uh, the hand of Hashem, uh, uh, truly. And, and what were – tr- what's that? I was, I was going to say, can you imagine being my wife and – having to be forced to the piano every time I have a new song. <laughs> well, and, you know, what we're trying to do, folks, is uh, uh, Sam and I you know, really want to get this album together, and, and we need the help of other uh, Jewish people, other uh, Noahides, uh, people who have a gift from Hashem to write uh, words and, and uh, put them to lyrics, and if you can't put them to lyrics or put, them to, put it to music, we'll go ahead and find somebody to, to put it to music. But we, we need your help. And if you're willing to produce a song and, and donate it, uh, Sam and I, will uh, we're reviewing the songs, and we'd like to get all of them on to the album. And if not, if we got enough to come out with a second album, we'll do Volume 1 and Volume 2. I don't believe that's going to uh, be a problem. But uh, more importantly, it's about the folks that this is helping. And this is people who are... Are, are down and out that you know many have lost loved ones they have lost basically everything and ray you may also want to mention that uh we're looking for a sponsor for helping with the graphics and duplication of the cds so um that would that would be the, the a great gift well that's an excellent idea sam just like having you on the show today was a great gift so listen we're gonna have to bug on out of here but i want to close the show out playing one of your songs from your new album So, Sam, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure, Ray. My pleasure, Prescott.
Arut Sheva Israel National Radio would like to wish you a happy Hanukkah. Politics, Jewish mysticism, end of days, human interest stories, the all-new Tamar Yona Show. The show broadcasts live Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday and Monday nights, 12 midnight. Add seven hours for Israel time. Join me, Tamar Yona, on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Don't miss it. It's the best show to crash to.